Without further ado, you can welcome Pastor Joel Stockstill to the platform. So usually I would say, hey, y'all. <laughs> it is an honor to be with you this morning. I want to say a huge congratulations on the fifth year anniversary. Very exciting to be here with my husband. I, too, was touched in his youth group. And then he drew me in to <laughs> marry him. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. But in worship this morning, which by the way, worship team, great, great job. You have beautiful worship here. It's very enjoyable. But Pastor George was saying how family oriented and community oriented everything is here. And then I look and saw after worship, some friends putting each other's shoes on up here. I said, okay, this is real family. <laughs> this is real family here. I like it. But during worship, I heard a word for the house. And if it's okay, I'd like to share it today. It's from a very encouraging book. It's from Leviticus. <laughs> and this is Leviticus 19. The title is Holiness in Personal Conduct. But this actually is an encouraging verse. So verse 23 of chapter 19 of Leviticus. When you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years. Consider it forbidden. Do not eat it. Verse 24. In the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. Verse 25. Finally, in the fifth year. Come on. <laughs> in the fifth year, you may eat of the fruit. If you follow this pattern, your harvest will increase. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. And you're not in the first year, thank God. You're not setting up chairs anymore. You're not in the third year. You're not in the fourth year, which you have consecrated unto the Lord. You are moving into the fifth year. And this is the year for you to eat the fruit. The harvest is great. The hard work has already been done. And this is a year for you to eat the fruit. And I hear from the Lord and he says, even the ones that are just coming here now, you get to eat the fruit as well. Remember the story when they got, the, the people got uh, hired at the beginning all the way through the end, they got paid the same. You in this house, it's not because of what you have done, it is because of the anointing on the Lord. Whatever year you are here, if, you're, if this is your very first day today, welcome to the year of eating the fruit. Amen. God bless you guys. Come on now. We could go to lunch after that. Okay, I want to I wanna do something. And by the way, that is my beautiful bride, Amy. Y'all give her a hand. I didn't introduce her. I want to do a couple of things today, a little out of the ordinary. This is not a regular Sunday, and this is not a regular church. This is an on-fire church. And uh, as Pastor George was saying... Uh, he and I met over 20 years ago on the platform at a Benny Hand crusade, and we should have been in the spirit, but we were cutting up and laughing. 
They're just so long, you know, you got to take your own break, even though the service is still going on. So we took a few little breaks and uh, had a lot of fun, and he ended up coming out to Baton Rouge with uh, some of the youth group, and we just became friends and have been friends for 20 years now, One, really, and uh, just count him a dear friend of mine. And uh, about a month ago, the, the Lord spoke to me about dignifying the Word of God. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking at the Bible on your phone or your tablet. And I like to read the Bible, you version, all that stuff. But something has been lost by not having a real physical Bible. And, uh, and so what the Lord spoke to me, uh, I had the privilege of traveling around and, and preaching at churches. And he said, I want you to begin presenting a Bible to the pastor of every church that you go to as a sign that we are redignifying the word of God. And so uh, I found out your favorite translation is the NLT, which I love too. And uh, so what I did was I, I, I had to ask Randy Gudo, who is the official Bible zealot. I said, what is the nicest NLT you've ever seen? Send it to me. Send me the link. So he researched it. He found it. So I got one of these, and I brought it with me. And uh, you're the first pastor that I'm doing this for. And the Lord told me to give you a Bible. Now, Amy just used this Bible because she needed an NLT, and my Bible was ESV. <laughs> so if you see that the, uh, the, um, the bookmarker has already pulled out, it's because she just used it and put the bookmarker in Leviticus. So the bookmarker is in that, where that word she just read, that was the first scripture read from this Bible. But since she needed the Bible, I figured it'd be okay to take it out of the case. So I took it out of the case, but uh, I wrote you a, little, a, a note in here and signed it. But I did not put your name on it because at some point, I feel like the Lord's going to have you sew this to somebody. And it can kind of be weird if your name's on the front. So, But uh, I wanted to present, Pastor George, would you come up here? And I, I, I wanted to just give you this Bible. It's New Living. It's, it's large print because we're getting older yes, now. We're, still, we're not youth pastors anymore. And it's, it's large print, but it's a thin line. And I just I saw in my spirit me just giving this to you as a prophetic symbol to the church, to everybody here. If you don't have a nice Bible, you need to get one. And, and learn how to, to have the Word of God and to feel the pages and look at it. And it's okay to read on your phone at certain times, but you need a Bible. This, this is my Bible right here. And this Bible right here, I could slap the devil with this thing and it would hurt him. But everybody needs a Bible. But I also, I, I just, I felt like this would be a moment. I want you to stretch your hands out towards Pastor George. And I, I just want to, I want to release something over him as, as I'm giving him this gift. It's a gift of friendship. It's a gift to redignify the word. Lord, I just thank you for this man of God. And today, you, you impressed on my heart to bring this, to prepare this. It's just a token of our friendship and of my honor for him and for redignifying the Word of God here at RCC. And Lord, I just thank you that we are a people of the book. We are a people of your Word. And Lord, we thank you that you said there are two things that we are supposed, we, we eat the Word of God and we drink the Spirit of God. 
We walk in the Word and we walk in the Spirit. And Lord, today, as I give him this Bible, I thank you that you're just releasing something. And Lord, even as you spoke to me during the worship service, that you are going to move Pastor George into a new place of revelation. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to move him into a place where your word opens up to him like never before, and the meat of your word is going to be brought forth at a higher level than ever before. Lord, he loves your word, but God, you're going to open the eyes of his understanding to a new place, and there's going to be revelation knowledge flowing in this house in a way that is going to be spoken about all over this region, and people are going to know when they come in this house that they are going to receive the manna rhema word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word of Christ, the anointed one. And Lord, I just thank you today for a new level of blessing, a new level of revelation in your word, from your word, that the seed of the word would come forth from this house in a way like never before. I thank you for it, Lord. I bless him in that. And Lord, we thank you for many more years. God, give us 20, 30, 40 more years of friendship as we walk together in building your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I feel like that it is important that we dignify the Word of God. Amen. Uh, would you turn with me to the beginning of the holy book? And uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And I'm going to take a sip of this holy water here. Genesis chapter 3, what, what a joy to be here today and uh, to see all of you. I, I absolutely love this sanctuary. I have never been in a sanctuary like this, and I have been in a lot of sanctuaries. I, I've always loved wood, and I love the smell of wood, and I, I love the look of wood. It's just natural, and just, I don't know, there's just something spiritual about it. It feels like a tabernacle, it's like a like a wooden tabernacle or something. I like it, I like it, I like it. Okay, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, and we're going to read verse 21, and then we're going to pray. And I'm reading out of the ESV, so whatever translation you have, but I, I'm in the ESV today. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband. Now, see, a lot of people missed that right there. Adam was standing right there. So we try to put all this on Eve, but he should have exercised his authority because he's the one who heard the word, don't eat from the tree. He should have said, uh-uh-uh, oh, honey, we, we don't do that. But he was standing there, who was with her, and he ate. See? But verse 7, I want you, we're going to read verse 7 and verse 21 together. And we need both of those verses to get where we're going to go today. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. Some people said naked, but I say naked. They was naked. And look, look what they did. Look what they did. They sewed fig leaves together 
and made themselves loincloths. Now, now, I know you probably read that a bunch of times. Everybody gets all zealous at the beginning of the year and tries to read the whole Bible, and they read the book of Genesis, and it's all great. Then they read Exodus, and it's pretty good. Then they get to Leviticus, and they stop, okay? That's why most of you have never read that verse my wife read, because you've never made it through what I call the mountains of Leviticus. But, but we've read this, but, but let's, let's see what it's saying here. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves. They made themselves. They sewed fig leaves and made themselves loincloths. Now drop down to verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam. So, so they made something and God made something. Okay, okay, I'm setting this up. They made something and God made something. They made fig leaves into a covering. Well, what did God make? It says, and God, the Lord God, made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Something had to die. Say something had to die. Something had to die. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time. We dedicate this time to you. I thank you for this opportunity to break open the bread of life. And Lord, we just thank you today that you are going to open our eyes to something new in your spirit and understanding that is going to help shape and mold us. And Lord, that also corporately is going to release us to a new place in you for what lies ahead. We thank you for it. And everybody said, Amen. Now, I, I want you to understand something. This morning, I'm not teaching, okay? This is not a teaching. This is not a one, two, three, A, B, C, outline point. This is not a teaching. This, this is more of an impartation, okay? And this is a word that the Lord has been really speaking to me about the last couple of weeks, and I, I was just praying about what the Lord wanted me to share, and he prompted me. I've never shared this before. This is the first time I've ever spoken on this, and I'm, I'm calling this extravagant love, extravagant love, because the love of God is greater than what's needed. The love of God goes beyond what's appropriate, and it goes into the arena of extravagant. And you say, what's that got to do with fig leaves? I'm, I'm, we're going to get there in a little bit. Extravagant love. The love of God is always extravagant. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with that a little bit. Because, you know, we're, we're always taught, you know, we get on Dave Ramsey and we're, we're, we're taught everything's got to have a budget and it's got to be appropriate and we're not supposed to be overboard. But then we got this concept of the love of God that's like way overboard. It's like way bigger than it has to be. It's way more than it has to be. Everything God ever did, he did it extravagant. When he told David to build a temple, they, they saved up billions of dollars. They didn't go down to First Jewish Bank and say, how low of a monthly payment can we get and build something? In fact, 
just the guys, the, the, the folks who were busted and disgusted when they came to David, at the end of their life, when they took that offering, they gave $5 billion in gold. So that goes to show you, you could be busted, disgusted, in distress and debt right now and end up at the end of your life a billionaire. And, and see, when, when you say that, something in us goes, oh, no, no, Pastor Joel, I'm humble before the Lord. See, because we don't understand extravagant love. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not coming in here today saying everybody in here is going to be billionaires. But I'm saying, yeah, my brother here said he'll take it. See, that's what it takes right there. Because God is an extravagant God, and his love is more than enough. He revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, which means the God of more than enough. He said, my name, one of his covenant names, is that I am more than enough. But why is it that we are always just wanting him, him to be just enough? Lord, if you would just help me to make my mortgage, I will praise you for the rest of my life. Like, like God sitting up in heaven saying, now I've got $1,000 for your mortgage, but anything above that might cause me to get a little economically distressed up here. The God who paves the streets with solid gold is the same God who's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. And, and when we start talking about more than enough, we have to begin with his love. His love was more than enough. Now let's, let's go back here and, and let's look at this a little bit. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some things that the Lord has given me this week from this. It says, in the eyes of both were open, in verse 7, we're back there, and they knew that they were naked, or naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, the first thing I see from this is that once, let me back up, let me back up. In the garden, there was extravagance. They never had to work. They never had to labor. Everything they needed was there. There was not a bill collector. There was not a bank. They never had a mortgage. They just walked around eating good food. They were immortal. They were immortal. Adam and Eve were immortal. They were going to, your body was made to live forever. Every seven years, every cell in your body is completely replaced. And if it were not for sin and death and decay, you would be immortal. They were immortal. Okay? So they're in the garden. Everything is perfect. They're in perfect health. Think about it. They never had a cough. They never had a cold. They never had the flu. They never had COVID, bless God. <laughs> the coronavirus was not in the Garden of Eden. Of course, there was no China there to cook it up and spread it around the world. Oh, did I, did I say that out loud? Okay, that wasn't by the Spirit. That was Joel. Okay, take that off the recording. 
They were never sick. They, think about this, they were in perfect health. You say, you mean they, they never went to the doctor? There was no doctor. They didn't need a doctor. They walked in the cool of the day with the creator. Perfect health. And for those of you who don't know about me, my testimony, I've had many battles with all sorts of things. If anybody knows about the beauty of perfect health, it's me. Okay, and I think about that. They were in perfect health. They were in perfect prosperity. They never had a bill. They never had a need. They never even had a want. Everything was provided for. They're in the garden. Everything was perfect. They were perfectly fulfilled relationally. They never had a marriage problem. They, there was not arguing. There was not, you know, we, we live in a fallen world now where we have to work it out. They didn't have to work it out. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. And, and, and this is the extravagance of God. This is the desire of God. He didn't put man on earth to struggle. He put man on earth to be in extravagance. Now, they went and jacked it all up. And I'm not going to get all into that. There's so much. There's a lot of riches there. They, the, Satan, our adversary, came down as a serpent, tempted them. And there, it says that their eyes were open. Now, you would think that their eyes being open would be a good thing, but it wasn't. Because when their eyes got open, all of a sudden they became aware of sickness and disease. They became aware of debt and lack. They became aware of friction, tension, divorce, separation, abuse, all of the things that we are dealing with and this day, that's what they, you know, have you ever had it just like the best night of sleep where you just, I mean, you go to bed and you sleep like eight, nine hours. You, you just, oh, and, and you wake up and you just feel perfectly comfortable and warm and, and you're refreshed and everybody's had those nights of sleep. It might not be every night, but, but you have those nights of sleep and then you wake up your eyes and may, maybe you wake up to uh, a situation that, that is stressful or uh, a dog barking or a kid crying or something, and all of a sudden you come out of that sleep in, into something that's not so perfect and not so comfortable. And that's what, the, this, what it says, their eyes were open. It, it's not meaning like a good eyes opening. It's a bad eyes opening. And, and some things began to happen when their eyes were open. And the first thing I see that happened is they, they took fig leaves. They, were, they had leaves everywhere. There was trees all around. They, they said, okay, we're going to take leaves. We're going to sew them together, and, and we're going to cover ourselves. So it says that they made for themselves fig leaves, a covering of fig leaves. But then in verse 21, God made something for them. Now, what? they made for themselves was appropriate. It, it was what we would many times say, wise stewardship. 
It was fig leaves. There was leaves everywhere. So wouldn't it make sense? Let's just grab a couple of leaves and sew them together and make us a covering because we're not dealing with what happened in the fall and all that today. We're, 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 we're keying in on something that happened immediately after the fall. Was man moved out of extravagance and into appropriate? He, he no longer operated naturally in the extravagance of his father God. He now begins to operate under the banner of being appropriate, which comes from the enemy. See, God never told them, hey, I put all these leaves in here for you to sew together and make you a covering. God said, no, no. Now, what did God do when he wanted to fix it? He, because we're always drawn to the appropriate, but God always moves in the extravagance. Verse 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and Eve, his wife, garments of skins and clothed them. Now, now let's, let's ask a little question here. Where do you get skins from? An animal. And, and can, does the animal get to live and you get the skins? No. The animal's got to die in order for you to get the skin. Now, now here's, here's how we would approach this in our, our Western modern Christianity. We would rebuke God and inform him that there's no need to kill an animal because we've got these fig leaves. Okay? We're, 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 we're going somewhere with this. There's no need to kill what, we don't know if it was a lamb or it was a goat. I don't know what, what if it was goat skin, lamb skin, probably. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to presuppose myself into the text and say, let's say it was a lamb. I say, Lord, why did you have to kill that little lamb when we've got all these leaves around us because man in his fallen state will always gravitate to the appropriate but in his resurrected born again sanctified renewed mind state he'll always gravitate to the extravagance now we have to deal with the elephant in the room because here's here's where the devil comes in he doesn't want believers believing for the extravagant. He doesn't want you believing in faith and standing for the extravagant. He wants you bound to the appropriate your whole life. He wants you living in fig leaves and not in animal skins. So what does he do? He goes out there and he gets him some people who are, have high visibility and they become extravagant, not in the blessing of God, but in self-indulgence. So then they've got three Bentleys and they've got 10 houses and they, you know, they, they, they wear $100,000 diamond encrusted watches and, and, and then the whole world looks and goes, well, that's extravagant. But see, we're not talking about the same kind of extravagant. That kind of extravagant is meant to put everybody else who has the right heart off the scent of what God really has for you. Because everything God does is extravagant. 
Now, I could prove this to you through the whole Bible, but let's talk about Abraham. God said, Abraham, you my boy. You my man. Abraham, you my man. I make a covenant with you. I'm going to bless you through the whole earth. Your, your seed is going to bless the whole earth. The Messiah is going to come, you see. Now, with Abraham, they say, now, Abraham, because you're my boy, I'm going to pay you a salary. And that salary is going to be just enough to keep your tent up and to keep your horse right and to feed your family just enough because that's the kind of God that I am. I, I am an appropriate God, and I'm going to give you just what you need in order to survive. You're going to have some hard times, and you're going to have some good times, but I'm going to always give you just what you need. Is that what he said? No, 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 no. It said Abraham was wealthy. It said he was rich in gold and silver and livestock. He, he had servants in his house. And, and God said, I'm going to, he didn't say, I'm going to give you a boy. He said, I'm going to give you descendants like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Now you tell me, is that appropriate or is that extravagant? Come on. The Lord going to set some people free in here today. There's a deliverance in this when you begin to recognize you serve an extravagant God. And, and we get this idea that God wants us living on a budget. He, he wants you to be on a budget. That, that's how God rolls. God does not roll with a budget. He did not limit Abraham to a budget. Abraham did not have a spreadsheet so that he could keep track of every expense and make sure that he was living within his means. And, and so we get, in this, we get in this appropriate thing versus this extravagant thing. Okay, now I'm not going to be long today, but I'm going to give you three areas where we can demonstrate this. The first one is righteousness. Righteousness. Well, in the first, the world has figured out that they can cover themselves with the fig leaves of self-righteousness. And, and we're seeing this now. We're seeing different forms of justification and righteousness that the world has sewn together to cover themselves because instinctively, Every human being now knows that they are naked. They know it in the physical. Thank God nobody didn't show up today not knowing that. <laughs> but, but they know it, more importantly, spiritually. They know that they've fallen short. They know that there's something missing. When you don't know Jesus, you're walking around naked and you're covered in shame, you're embarrassed, you're humiliated, your sins, your past, all that, you know it. So you gotta do something. So, so we got all these different ways that people are finding justification and it's nothing but sewing a bunch of fig leaves together. Yeah, come on. So we're, we're seeing this now in our country, we're seeing all these different groups who are finding their righteousness, their right standing by whatever it is. Some people, it's their political party is what's causing, is their fig leaves. 
Well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. And because I stand for these things, I fashion fig leaves around me. And now I'm not naked anymore because I'm justified in my political party. So some people, it, it's they found righteousness in the fact that they stand up for the rights of this group or that group. And because I, I, I am an advocate for this group, that's my fig leaves that cover my nakedness. Some people, we, we found it with this whole coronavirus, we found some people who, who it was their job to tell everybody else how they should respond to it and they found their own justification in the way that they do it as opposed to that other group. And, and some people it was, if you wear a mask, then you're justified, but if you don't, you're not justified. And for some people, it's vice versa. And for some people, I see the non-vaccine people, they look at people who got a vaccine and they're like, oh, you didn't trust God enough. You, they found their justification in the fact that they didn't get a vaccine. And it doesn't matter which side you're on. It's nothing but a bunch of fig leaves because it cannot cover your nakedness. Fig leaves are the appropriate response. It's man's response. It's adequate. Did the fig leaves do the job? Yes, they did the job. Did it, did it satisfy the desire for justification of Adam and Eve? No. And God knew this. So he said, I'm going to kill an animal. Blood's going to be shed. And I'm going to cover you in an appropriate way that is the way that I would do it. And that way is always extravagant. So there's righteousness. Man's way of righteousness is appropriate. It can, it can even be things that seem so noble, like feeding the poor. You can feed the poor and it be appropriate. But God says, everything I do is extravagant. I don't want to just give somebody some soup and feed them for a meal. I want to give them the gospel so that they have eternal life. See, eternal life is extravagant. And the world is caught up in the appropriate. And we've got to be careful that we don't fall prey to the same thing and always respond with what's appropriate instead of channeling the extravagance of our God. Hallelujah. What's another one? Healing. Let's talk about divine healing. See, the appropriate response to sickness is to take a pill or go to the doctor. But God says, I want to heal your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's a reason he said forget not, because how quickly we forget about his benefits. He said, who forgives all your iniquities. Now, nobody disagrees that the blood of Jesus forgives sin. But it also says in that same verse, who heals all our diseases. And that's where people say, oh, no, 
Oh, no. We have a problem with that. And I'm not going to go on a whole message on that. I could. But what's the appropriate response? The appropriate response to sickness is, let's, let's take a vitamin. I'm not against vitamins. Let's take a Tylenol. I'm not against Tylenol. Let's go to the doctor. I'm not against the doctor. But why would I settle for that when I've been promised divine healing? A Tylenol is appropriate. A divine healing is extravagant. Now, this is for somebody in here today. You're facing something in your body, and your mind and, and everything about you immediately is drawn to the fig leaves. Let's deal with the symptoms. Let's, let's go. There are some things that there is no fig leaves made that can cover. Every time man gets cures for it, thinks everything, something else pops up. And we've got to learn how to trust God. And we've got to learn how to say, Lord, I'm not settling for what's appropriate. I'm believing for what's extravagant. I'm not settling for what's appropriate. I'm laying hold of what's extravagant. Because I serve an extravagant God. And, and if you've bought into this lie that God sent whatever sickness to teach you a lesson, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a fig leaf lie from the same serpent who sold the fruit to Eve in the garden. My question to you is, where in the ministry of Jesus, the exact likeness of the Father, did he say to someone who came to him for healing, you know what, come back in a year because I'm teaching you something right now. And when you learn that, you'll be ready in about a year. Think about it. Where does it say that in the Gospels? That is a religious spirit straight from the pit of hell. God doesn't teach people lessons. He doesn't teach his children. Have you ever, have you ever told your children, you know what? Because I love you, I'm going to give you the flu. And when you get over the flu, you're going to be where I need you to be. No. We serve an extravagant God. He's better than any earthly parent. And he desires divine, supernatural healing. And not just healing, but wholeness and wellness. And long life. Because he's an extravagant God. Never say out of your mouth, I just have always felt like I was going to die young. Well, you keep saying that, you will. But you don't have to because he's an extravagant God. Now let's talk about prosperity. Appropriate, extravagant. Appropriate, extravagant. The devil would love for you to be making monthly payments till the day you die. And he'd even like for your kids to have to pick up on them payments when you die. But we serve an extravagant God. He doesn't desire you to leave a payment to your kids as an inheritance. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to your children and your children's children. 
And the enemy will always get us into small thinking, smallness, just enough. Lord, if we could just make it by, and that's nothing but a bunch of financial fig leaves. And you know what, Pastor George? I've been guilty of settling for financial fig leaves. Have you, what, what about this? This will bring a whole new meaning to this term. Have you ever heard? We covered our expenses. Yeah, we, we covered our expenses. You, 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 you covered them with fig leaves. Come on. God, <laughs> God doesn't cover expenses. He is the God of extravagance. And we get a budget, and we say, Lord, I need that amount of the budget. We, we go through every line item. We get it down to the penny. And it's, oh, boy, that's good stewardship. No, it's not. It's fig leaves. It's serving a God who is not enough and not the God who is more than enough. I mean, when you got to get something down to the penny, what, what, it, what God are you serving? Because... My Bible says they got gates made out of a single pearl up there. And we down here believing for $32.67. Where, where's the disconnect here? Now, can I mess with you a little bit? It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. How do you move out of appropriate provision into extravagant provision? You move out of appropriate sowing into extravagant sowing. Hey. Oh, that, see, that's... That's where it all breaks down. How do you move out of appropriate provision, which is basically you cooking up a way to provide for yourself? You know, we tell the Lord, Lord, I'm believing for a house, and then we go down to the bank and get a big mortgage. Well, were you believing for a house, or were you just letting God know you're going to get it whether he does something or not, which means you weren't in faith, he's not going to do anything. How do you move out of appropriate fig leaf provision into extravagant animal skin provision? Well, you got to quit giving appropriately, and you have to start giving extravagantly. So, so now I'm giving you something practical. My wife, she's always saying, How's, what does this mean practically? Let me give you what this means practically. We're not just going to all shout and say, oh, Lord, I'm moving into the extravagance. Hallelujah. Glory. No, no. You're going to have to get your pocketbook out. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying this because I'm taking an offering for me, okay? We're, this is not about an offering. We're not about taking an offering. This doesn't have anything to do with the offering. This is about changing your life, okay? So many times we get in that, oh, he's getting ready to take an offering. He's trying to get an extravagant offering. This is for him. 
okay? I'm already taking care of this. It doesn't have anything to do with that, okay? We already took tithes and offering, already been done. That's all done. This doesn't have anything to do with that, so let's just deal with that little devil standing there on your shoulder saying, this is about him. This is not about an offering, okay? I'm trying to help you, okay? We're releasing something, going to bring this place to the next level. Because the next thing is for this whole thing to be paid off, cash money, everything, money just coming in. That's how the Lord wants it, okay? We're not covering expenses anymore. But how do we make that shift from appropriate to extravagant? We have to shift our giving. We have to shift our giving. It took an animal to die for them to be covered with the skin. There had to be a sacrifice. And now, and this is something the Lord this year has just been showing and dealing with and proving himself and showing himself strong. He said, okay, we, 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 get, we get the understanding of 10% is our tithe. Everything above that is an offering. Now, see, a lot of people, they're giving offerings, but it's really a partial tithe. That's what it is. See, you haven't officially ever sown any seed till you're at 10%. So if you make $60,000 a year, until you've given $6,000, you haven't sown any seed. You're just giving back what God gave you. But, but when you give that 6001 now you just planted a seed in the ground. Now, it wasn't a lot of seed, but it was a seed. You know, if you want one week stalk, I don't know what you're going to do with that. You might make one loaf of bread. But it's one, at least it's one, and one's better than nothing. But it, see, I like to say it this way. The tithe is what gives you the opportunity to use the land. But the offering is actually sowing the land. So a lot of people, they, they come to church, and they get out their little change, and they tip God like they do a waitress at the restaurant after church. And then, and they're like, well, see, I've, I've been giving and I hadn't seen anything. Yeah, because you tip God and that was a partial tithe. You're not, you don't even have use of the land yet. So not only have you not sown any seed, you don't even have access to the economy of God. And people say, why do I need to tithe? Because tithing puts you in the economy of God. When you, and, and that's what people say, you know, I used to, I used to give, Pastor George, I used to give. I used to give. I thought I gave a lot. I was giving all the time. And then, and then I would get what's called the giving statement in January. And, and, and the giving statement is the record of, a, of what had really happened. And, and then, you know, you always want to say things like, well, I gave a lot in cash, so they didn't really record that. Because when you take what you made in a year, and you take what you gave, if it ain't 10%, you're not even in the economy of God. And you can run around saying, I'm blessed and I'm born again and I'm highly favored of God and all this stuff. No, you're not. You don't even have a field to sow in. But, but when you get the tithe in the storehouse, you have access to the community land of the kingdom and there's room for everybody, and there's no such thing as famine in the kingdom. See, Isaac sowed in the time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because he wasn't sowing in Philistine land. He was sowing in kingdom land, and kingdom land functions totally different than 
regular land. So, so once, you, once you get that tithe in the storehouse, then you start sowing. See, now a lot of you are understanding now why this thing has never worked for you. And you've heard about this one and that one getting their breakthroughs and their blessings and all that. And you say, well, I tried that and that didn't work. Well, no, get into the kingdom economy and it works every time. Okay? So once we, once we, we got the tithe, and that was just, I just gave you that for free. That was for free. I wasn't even planning on going there, but that was just for free. Lord just wanted me to just release that. And, and just, you, you just got to deal with that. However you want to just, just deal with it. Go get in the Bible, read it, you're going to see, okay? Now, now we begin to sow. Now, we, we feel like we give five, ten dollars. Oh, man. Now, depending on how much you have, that might be a lot, like the widow's might. But for most of us, we give an appropriate amount. We even will use wisdom and budget how much we're going to give. Yeah, I got... I got, I got my tithe, and then I got my offering. And that's $20, and I'm going to go to the ATM and get it in cash, and I'm going to put it in, and that's my. Okay, extravagant giving cannot be budgeted for. Can't be budgeted for. You're, because the moment you put it in those terms, it becomes appropriate. But when God says to your heart, hey, I want you to give $1,000 to that right there. You, oh, oh, oh. shut da 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 you get behind me, devil. You know, God can use, he can use anything that doesn't have hundred or thousand behind it. You know, I felt led to give that homeless person a, my bottled water out of my car. Okay, well, that, that's all well and good. And if the Lord told you to do that, great. But that's appropriate. And... Yeah, and we, we, we give, whenever the Lord moves on our heart, we always give $20. Okay, well, whoop-dee-dee. Fig leave appropriate. God, here's the thing. You can't give appropriately and expect to receive extravagantly. Let me say that again. You can't give appropriately, but expect to receive extravagantly. And so a lot, a lot of times we got, we, got, we got giving going on like this. We're giving appropriately, and we're receiving appropriately. And I'm here to tell you, God does not want to give back appropriately. But he's not going to give back different from the level of faith you have shown in your giving. They say, why are you going on about this giving? Because giving is the most practical way this thing hits home. You give appropriately, you receive appropriately. You give extravagantly, get extravagantly. Because, and here's the thing, you won't do this with your head. Your head is what keeps you appropriate. Your heart is what causes you to be extravagant. And we got people running around teaching that we should, we should give by our head. That we should use, we, we get it all down there. What do we have? What can we do? No, no. The heart says, what am I supposed to be obedient and do? 
How do I respond to what God's telling me to do with my heart? Because the head is where all the fig leaf stuff comes from. Anything that comes out of that gray matter in between your ears is going to be fig leaves. You got to get down here into the heart of man where your new mind, your new heart from God, your new spirit, the born again part of you is, and that's what's going to respond to God generously, and then God is going to supply generously. Let me just share a little, what I call an ongoing testimony, and then I'm going to be done. I could, I could tell testimonies all day and all night about this, but I'm, I feel led to tell you this one. So I lead an organization called Surge, and we plant churches all over the world. And right now, we plant a church a day, and we're believing to go to a church an hour. That's hard to wrap your, it's hard to wrap your mind around because it's not appropriate. It's extravagant. And it costs about $3,000 to plant a church. We support a pastor for a year. We've planted in 100 nations of the world. And churches, are, are, they're being planted every day once being planted. Boom, boom. Life-giving churches. Africa, Asia, Europe, South America, Central America, all over the world. Churches being planted. And so we, we're stepping out in faith. We're saying, God, you're the God of the extravagant. We're not satisfied with the church a day. We want a church an hour. We want to do 8,720 churches next year. And you know what the price tag on that is? $26,800. Now, that's, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. It's extravagant. It's impossible. That's where God gets involved. If it's possible, God doesn't need to be involved because you could pull it off yourself. Just go downtown Orlando and see what man can do without God. He can do amazing things. God's given man uh, incredible intellect, gifts, and abilities, and they can do all these things. But that's not what he's into. He's into the impossible. So they came to me and they said, we need $700,000 for our operating budget next year for search. So I'm like, oh, Lord, $700,000. i am off in the fig leaves. I'm thinking, how, how am I going to sew enough fig leaves together to get that? How are we going to cover our expenses? See, I'm not preaching something to you today. I heard off sermonspice.com or something like that. This is, this is working in me right now. I'm just, I'm just letting you in to what's going on in me, okay? I'm living this out right now. I'm every day, I'm, I'm the Lord saying, up, oh, up, oh, that's fig leaves right there. Get over into the extravagant, extravagant love. So they tell me, it's going to be $700,000. So I'm, Lord, I need $700,000. It seems like, man, God's going to have to take us out a second mortgage on heaven to give me that $700,000. But faith's coming in my heart. I'm, I'm getting built in my faith. So I'm at prayer at my local church. Now, there's a power in praying at your church, the corporate prayer. And, and every Sunday morning when we're at home not traveling, we have corporate prayer from 10 to 11, and we start at 11. And I go, and God visits me there. So I, I try to get up in there because I always hear something good. So I'm there. This is about two months ago. This isn't like a couple years ago. This I told you it's ongoing. About two months ago, I'm in prayer, 
and the Lord speaks to me as clear as a bell. I'm just praying, I'm worshiping, I'm having me a good old time, and God interrupts me. How dare he during prayer? God, I'm praying. And he says, I'm about to give you a million-dollar gift. One million dollars in one pop, pow. And then, here comes the fig leaves. But, Lord, all I need is 700000 I'm going to be a good steward, Lord, unto thee. I said, I'm going to give you a million dollars because I'm an extravagant God. I never, if, if, we, we always say, well, the Lord met the need. No, that wasn't the Lord because the Lord never meets the need. He always goes beyond. You'll know it's the Lord when it's more than enough. You thought, we're just going to rent this place. But God says, no, I'm going to give you ownership. And we're all having to get sanctified from this. This is something, and we wrestle at it with whatever level we're at in the kingdom, with whatever we got going on, you're calling. It doesn't matter. We're all dealing with it. So for me, it's this 700,000, and God says, I'm going to give you a million. And I'm like, well, Lord, I receive that million in Jesus' name. I believe your word. I hear you, and I trust you. And now, devil, give me my million. I want a million. I'm getting my man. I went home that day. I told her, we're getting a million dollars. Not, not, just, not just ad infinitum, not just down the road, by the end of the year. So I know how this thing works. You do not get a harvest if you don't sow. Now, a lot of people would have said, oh, I'm getting a million dollars. Praise God, I'm standing in faith for a million dollars. Until you sow a seed, you haven't initiated the harvest. So I know how this thing's working. I'm like, Mark 10, 29 through 30, a hundredfold blessing, a hundredfold, a hundred times, what is a million? 10,000. So I'm like, well, I know I got to sow 10,000 if I'm going to expect to get a harvest of a million. So I'm like, all right. Well, Lord, you said you give seed to the sower and bread to eat. Now, here's the thing about God that's, now I said to you, he's an extravagant God. This is messing with you. I'm, I'm shifting your perspective. He'll not only give you a harvest, he'll give you the seed to plant in order to release the harvest. You ain't ready for this, George. So I knew immediately, because I'm a math person, I need $10,000. So I say to the Lord, Lord, if you give me the 10000 I will sow it. Like Hannah said, you give me the son, I'll give him back to you. What did God do? He gave her the son, she gave him back to him. And what did he do? He gave her five more kids. Extravagant. She just wanted one kid. That's appropriate. But God said, I'm going to give you six because that's So I get home from church. I, tell, I, I announce to Amy, we're, we're getting a million dollars by the end of the year. Not personally, for Surge, okay? Now, I believe he can give me that personally. I'm not against that. In fact, if anybody wants to give me that, I'm, I'm a, a willing vessel. Because when you give, you don't have See, a lot of people, they won't receive because they hadn't given, and so they feel guilty. I don't feel guilty because I've been giving. Yeah. So, Okay. But I know, okay, this is, this is for the ministry. This is so that every dime given to church planting can, can plant churches and 
all costs, all salaries, everything needed will be met before we ever get to January 1st. It'll be sitting in the bank. That's how God does it. So go through the day. Sunday's my Sabbath. I don't look at email, technology, all that. That evening, I go into prep mode for the week. I go to send my weekly schedule to my assistant. And there, sitting at the top of my inbox, is a notification from our website. I get notifications from our website. And there it says, blank, blank, has just donated $10,000 to search. $10,000. When I saw that, that was a shuck and a buck and a tongue. Now, most people would have said, now, you know, we're a nonprofit and these gifts to this. No, no, no. That right there is not a harvest. It's a seed. A lot of times, things that God does for you, you go tell everybody that it's a miracle, but it wasn't a harvest. It was the seed for the harvest. When I saw that $10,000, I said, oh, Lord, I'm getting my million. So the next morning, we have our exec call. We get on the call. Say, hey, guys, did y'all see that $10,000 gift came in last night? Said, oh, yeah, 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 we could do this. That's, uh, 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 uh. I want that money out of our account by Friday. They said, what do you mean? I said, I don't want a dime of that. I don't even want that to stay in our account. I want it gone. They said, what, 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 what do you mean? I said, I want to give it away to other ministries because that is seed. It's not harvest. It's seed. It's not harvest. It's a seed. And they were kind of like, we were on Zoom. They were kind of looking at me like, see if I'm joking. And I was like, no, no, no. I want it gone ASAP. I don't want any of it left by the end of the week. I want it gone. Get rid of it. Get it in the ground because seed in the barn doesn't do you any good. It's only when it put, see, until it leaves your hands, it's not planted. You can have a good intention and say, well, well we're, we're, you know, we're looking for somewhere that's, that's worthy or that, you know, there's a lot of th- people out there that can mishandle funds and all that. I don't care. It's seed, it's going into the kingdom. And they'll be accountable for what they did with it. Now, I do believe that God gives people responsibility. This is a house where people are responsible with money, and that's all good. But at the end of the day, we're responsible to be obedient. Pastor George, the team, everybody, they'll be accountable to the Lord for what they did with it. That's not your job. Your job is not to go take soil samples to the local chemist. Your job is to put the seed in the ground and leave it. And don't come back and dig it up. Leave it. Okay, I'm closing. I'm closing. I'm getting there. I'm trying to end here. Okay. So I told... I done told everybody, I told our whole team, I said, we're getting a million dollars in one check by December 31st. It's done. It's done. The seed's in the ground. Lord, 
spoke the word. He gave me the seat. I said, it's done. So last Friday, somebody drops 130 grand on the site. They go to our site. They drop 130 grand. And this is just happening just because we're sowing all the time. We've sowed lots of other seed. This is coming back. But the million-dollar harvest is what we're, I'm, that's where my faith is at. So somebody drops 130 grand. We're going to plant a bunch of churches, and it's going to be awesome, and it, we're, it's wonderful. So my chief of operations, he, he sends a message on the feed, and he says, is this part of the million that you're believing for? And I send back and say, no, this is not a part of the million. The million will be at one time. It will be one gift, and this is a blessing. But I said to him by the Spirit, this is a tremor. It's not the quake. And now we already, from that 130000 we're sowing another big seed. And you say, well, y'all are a missions organization. The money's supposed to go to missions. Yeah, well, we also are obedient to the Holy Spirit and know how to trigger the blessing of God. And while everybody else is running around having fundraisers, we just sowing seed. I, I, and there's nothing wrong with fundraising, but a lot of times fundraising is appropriate. It's not extravagant. We're never going to plant 8,720 churches by having a golf tournament. Okay? We're going to do it by planting seed, extravagant seed. And when I come back next time, I'll tell you the rest of the story. But that, that million dollars is already on its way. And some people have indicated to me that they're going to give it by the end of the year. But we're looking to the Lord until we receive it fully. That's where our faith is. One million dollars at one time. And then it's going to go up from there. And one day the Lord may say, hey, give a million dollars as a seed for a billion-dollar harvest. Glory to glory, faith to faith. But be sure of this, in the same measure in which you give, you will receive. And I want you to see God as an extravagant God. He's not an appropriate God. Anything that's appropriate is contrived to man and sometimes by the devil to keep you from the extravagant. John 1, John the Baptist pointed and said, Behold. He didn't say, Behold the fig leaf who covers the sin of the world. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want you to bow your heads with me. Praise you, God. You guys have been awesome today. Thank you for being so attentive listening, being engaged. It's been nothing but a pure joy to be here with you today. It's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would quicken things to your remembrance at the right time and move you from glory to glory. But let me say this. In God, there is extravagance for every child. Jesus, the Son of God, being born of a virgin, living a life without sin, and dying a gruesome death on Calvary was not an appropriate response to the sin problem. 
the blood of goats and calves was the appropriate response. But God says the blood of goats and calves is not my best for my children. My only begotten son in whom I am pleased is my extravagant response to the sin problem. You and I were naked in sin, and we tried under our own power to cover ourselves. But God said, I'll kill the Lamb of God, and I'll cover you with his blood, and you'll be made righteous in right standing with me. And I know that we all have our struggles with receiving the extravagance of God. Today, as we were talking about righteousness, maybe that was offensive to you and you struggle with that. Maybe when we were talking about divine healing, that was a, it's a struggle for you. You just, you, you, you struggle to see that. Or, or maybe with prosperity, you just, you've struggled your whole life to pay bills and to just keep your, your, your head above water. And when I start talking about an extravagant God and million dollars and all that, you just are like, yeah, yeah, well, that's good for you, but that's not how it works for me. And today, the gospel, the offensive gospel, he said, I'm a block. You can either stumble over the truth or it'll fall on you and crush you, he said. Today, I, I want to encourage you, just stumble over it. Just fall down on your face before him and say, Lord, I don't understand it. I've been living in the appropriate, maybe all three areas, righteousness, healing, and prosperity. You have been so consumed with the natural bend of man, fallen man to the appropriate, you have failed by faith to lay hold of the extravagant. But I want to speak, before I pray over that, I want to speak to people who may be here today. We do not know who is here in this house who may not know the Lord. And you've tried under your own righteousness. You've tried to be a good person. That doesn't work. You've tried to be a bad person. That doesn't work. You've tried to do it under your own power. You've tried to make up for the need inside of your life. And today the Lord says, come under the washing, cleansing blood of the Lamb and be made whole, be made free, be made righteous in my sight. If you're here today and you say, Joel, the Lord is dealing with my heart. I need to surrender my life to him. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. I don't care if today's the first time you've ever been in a church. The blood of Jesus is here to extravagantly set you free and to love you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You say, I don't deserve it. No, none of us do. That's why we need Jesus you're here today and you say, Joe, I need to give my heart, my life to Jesus. I need to accept the extravagant love of God to save me and make me whole from the inside out. I'm tired of chasing the appropriate and I want to receive the extravagant. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand wherever you are. Say, that's me. Pray for me. Right back there. Right back there. Wherever you are. Right there. All over. You just lift your hand. There's people lifting their hand. That's right. Four, five, six. That's right. People are going to come today and respond to the extravagant love of God. Now, I want to do something. I want those of you who raised your hand or you didn't and wish you would have, I want you to take a step of faith because faith without works is dead and without faith we cannot please God. I want you to just take a step. In fact, everybody just stand to your feet with me. Let's just stand up. Let's just stand up. Every person who lifted your hand or you didn't wish you would have, I want you to step into the aisle and come and stand right here with me. I want to pray over you. I want to speak a word over you. I want to, I want to just speak into your life. Just come. There were six, seven, eight. I don't know. Some of you didn't lift your hand. You wish that you would have. Just make a move. Make a move. Just come and stand shoulder to shoulder. 
Man, the Spirit of God is all over you. Come on, my sister. Just right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. Come on, sir. Right here. All over. Man, the Spirit. Woo! Shanda Bakanda Basanda. Oh, the love of God, the extravagant love of God is washing over you. He's washing over you. He's washing over you. Come on, there was more. You lifted your hand or you didn't. You wish you would have. Come join these four right here. The Holy Spirit is drawing you today. This is not me. If I can persuade you to do it, somebody will persuade you to do something else. This young man, five souls right here. Precious ones. I'm going to wait about 10 more seconds. If I see anyone else moving, I'll wait on you. Now's the time to obey. Now's the time to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Boy, the love of God. Young man, the love of God. He's pouring over you today. You've been serving an appropriate God, and today he says, I'm revealing myself as an extravagant God. He's extravagant. His love for you. He knows everything you've ever done, and yet he says, I wash you in my blood, and I make you whole. Wow. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one sinner say, look, there's five here today. God is doing something in their hearts. Now just stretch your hands out towards these five right here. Lord, I thank you. You're moving and working in their life. I want you five and everybody join in with it. I want you to say this prayer after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to the cross. I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But I come today to the foot of the cross, the ultimate symbol of extravagant love, love that's more than enough, love that is undeserved. And I give you my life. I give you my heart. It's full of sin. Wash it in your blood, Lord Jesus. Make me a new person. And from this day forward, I will follow your word. I'll submit to your authority. And I'll be filled with your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo, man, the Lord is just moving. Each one of these precious ones has come. They're understanding the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. And you say, oh, but, but I've done too much. The devil's lied to you, my sister. Oh, I've done, you don't know where I've been and what's happened in my life. It doesn't matter. Extravagant love overtakes you today. It overtakes you today. It overtakes you today, my sister. It overtakes you today, my brother. It overtakes you, my sister. It overtakes you, my brother. This is the ultimate of what RCC is about right here. We love to pray. We love to worship. We love to give all that. But at the end of the day, we are a lighthouse that saves ships in distress. Five ships in distress today are coming safely into the harbor of the love of God. And it's not a, a harbor that's just big enough to fit in. It's an extravagant harbor. Woo! It's extravagant. It's extravagant. Man, man, man. I'm going to ask some of leaders, men with men, women, we need, we need two men and we need three women to come up and get with, just pair it with these. Just come begin to minister. Come and begin to minister. You guys are 
equip to the hilt. Pastor George, equip you, release you in the prophetic and ministry, inner healing. We need one more lady to come minister to this young lady right here. That's right, that's right. Just come, just begin to minister. They're gonna to continue to minister to them. Now, I wanna do a ministry prayer. And, and this is pretty much for everybody in here. You don't have to receive it if you don't, but I believe it's for everybody in here. You say today, I need the Lord to reveal the extravagant love of God to me in a greater way. I wanna receive it, just lift your hands. I'm gonna pray. There's gonna be an anointing. I'm under an anointing for this. I'm, I'm living this out. This is not something from a book. This is not something I preached five years ago that I dusted up and said, oh, this might be good. No, this is now. This is hot manna. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. You're revealing extravagant love. And I break every carnal, fleshly mindset of fig leaves, that which is appropriate. We will no longer settle for appropriate in righteousness and healing and prosperity and freedom in every area. You are the God that is more than enough. You are the God that is more than enough. You are the God that is more than enough. You are the God that is more than enough. And we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I have a word for you, my sister. I know your husband, he's dressed all sharp. He looks like a great businessman, but the Lord is showing me he's about to do something with business with you. Something is about to break open in your business and in your whatever it is that you're doing. And it is gonna be a blessing to this church, to people all around you, your neighbors, your family. But take the instruction today an appropriate seed is an appropriate harvest. An extravagant seed is an extravagant harvest. And God is saying, whatever it is you're believing for, he's going to give you the seed. You're going to sow it like Hannah did. In fact, that's, that's the illustration I'm getting, 1 Samuel 1. You go read it. Hannah gave Samuel. She reaped five kids. She ended up with six and she had none. The Lord says, I'm going to bless your business. I'm going to bless the work of your hands. And I'm going to prosper that which I've given you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands to the Lord one more time. We're going to close in a second. I promise you that Kentucky Fried Chicken's not going to run out of chicken. I have faith in the American economic system. Father, let your anointing of extravagant love just wash over us today. In this moment, let it just feel that love. I speak the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. The love of God is going to flow like a mighty river from this house. RCC will be a beacon of the love of God. And it will model extravagance in every area. In every area. Godly extravagance will flow from this house. There will always be more than enough in this house. He will make you the head and not the tail. You will lend and not borrow. In fact, I see this church lending to other churches.
paying off other church buildings. Forget about this one. This one's done. Well, this is done. This is done in the spirit. I break the back of debt and lack. You will pay off other churches. You will sow into other ministries. There will be abundance in this house. It will offend the religious and it will delight those who love the Lord with all their heart. It'll be a delight. It'll be a delight. It'll be a delight. There'll be no need. It'll be like in the book of Acts when they laid properties and lands at the feet of the apostles and there was not one among them who lacked anything. This community will be a community of abundance. We give you glory and we give you praise for it. We give you glory and we give you praise for it. We give you glory and we give you praise for it. We give you glory. Janice, I, I, we hadn't talked at all. Give me your hand. The Lord says to speak healing over you in the name of Jesus. I speak divine healing and life, energy, strength, stamina, every abnormality made whole. I thank you, Lord. She will have more energy than when she was 16 years old. And I just speak Psalm 103, verse 5. You satisfy her mouth with good things. That's both meaning what you eat and what you say, what goes in and what comes out. Good food goes in and good speech comes out so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I speak it in the name of Jesus. I speak a blessing over her. George, where are your boys? They're serving. Yeah. Get them up here. Get the boys up here. Get the boys up here. I want to speak a blessing over them. I want to speak a blessing. Come up here. Just stand. My God, you're getting so big. Y'all were running around in diapers when I first seen you. Okay, now give me the names again. Give me the names. And Jaden. God has given me a deep love for preacher's kids. I mean, I love preacher's kids. I traveled for five years and the Lord said to me, your assignment is the kids of the pastors everywhere you go. Everywhere I went. And there's an anointing. There's a grace. There's a gifting that comes in the sons of Levites, I call it. That's unlike anything else. You're able to play instruments, do technology, speak, lead, just all these graces. Both of you have so many gifts, it's going to almost be confusing which ones you need to pursue. But God's going to show you. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to just speak a blessing over you. Father, I speak a blessing over Jaden. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing on his life. I thank you, Father, that you've anointed him to declare your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've anointed him with so many things for the purpose of God on his life. And I lay my hand on him today and I command those giftings to come forth in the name of Jesus. I command them to come forth in the name of Jesus. I command them to come forth in the name of Jesus. And I lay my hand on Jonathan today and I speak the blessing of God over him. I say, Satan, you won't have either one of these boys. They'll walk with you all the days of their life. They'll serve you in purity and holiness. They'll marry the right girl. They'll have godly children. They'll be raised in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Every lie of the enemy 
that would come to their mind, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I say they're men of faith. They're men of purpose. They're men of action. In the name of Jesus. Lord, anoint them. Whatever they put their hands to, it'll be blessed. Wherever they go, they'll have favor. And Lord, they walk in the divine protection. Thank you, Lord. 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 Begin to put your word in their mouth, God. Put your word in their mouth. Let them be hungry for your word. Bless them with the greatest blessing, the blessing of divine hunger for your word. They that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Let them hunger and thirst for righteousness. I thank you for it. 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 I give you glory for it, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. They'll be a sign and a wonder to their generation. They'll lead a youth movement in this house. This whole area will be touched. Drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion will be broken over a generation as they go forth in obedience to what you've put in their their life. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.